Hello and welcome to LBC Irregulars, a Sherlock Holmes podcast radio episode brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. This is episode three of the radio show series. I'm your host, Jared Ulrich, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Pro, and I'll be taking you through the vintage radio show appearances of Sherlock Holmes. For the foreseeable future, I plan to focus solely on the Nigel Bruce and Basil Rathbone New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes show that aired from 1939 to 1947, although Tom Conway took over for Basil Rathbone as Holmes in late 1946. But anyways, I may step out to other radio show appearances from our favorite London-based detective from time to time, but for now, we're going to keep it in the the 1939 and 1947 shows. Now, this is not an index show. We're not going to start at the beginning and go one by one, mainly because the history and availability of these old radio shows is an absolute rat's nest, (laughs) especially finding radio shows of a decent audio quality. Some episodes even have multiple titles depending on how and where they were released. So we're going to hop around in time and listen to randomly selected episodes on this podcast. In this episode, we will be listening to The Night Before Christmas, which aired December 24th, 1945. And I want to thank the Arthur Conan Doyle Encyclopedia website. They are keeping me straight on all these dates and release times and seasons. And it's a good resource, folks. Once again, that's the Arthur Conan Doyle Encyclopedia website. Now, after we listen to the case of the double zero, my guests and I will discuss our thoughts on it. And we invite you to be part of the conversation. You can leave us a voicemail with your thoughts at 707-532-5269, 707-532-LBOX, or comment on the show at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's all Longbox Crusade, or email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Your comments just might get played or read on a future episode. Now it's time for the show. Let's dim the lights travel back in our minds to a London of the past through the chilled and foggy streets to 221B Baker Street. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. Well, right about now, you're probably taking a little breather in your last-minute rush to get everything ready for the big day tomorrow. Children have to be put to bed to wait for Santa Claus, and there's the tree waiting to be decorated, and oh, a million and one things which must be done before morning. I sure hope you... Got all your Christmas shopping done. It's pretty hectic rushing off at the last minute to take care of Uncle Charlie or Aunt Bertha or Cousin Sam. But if you must get something, just remember that you can always dash over to your wine merchant and get a bottle or two of Petri wine. Or better yet, a whole case of Petri wine. Petri wine's a swell gift, and I just thought a little Latin suggestion might be of some help. Now I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson's waiting for us, so let's go in and join him. 
Hey, Doctor, I can see you're going to have yourself quite a Christmas. Big tree in the corner with colored lights on it. Where'd you get those? Table covered with presents? You must be mighty popular. Oh, they aren't all for me, my boy. You see, I'm having a Christmas party tomorrow for my housekeeper's little nieces. Oh. I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus for them. <laughs> well, I'm sure you look very convincing in the part. Oh, by the way, Doctor, I, uh, I brought you a little present. Here it is. I hope you'll like it. <laughs> I know you, Tomato. I got one for you too, here, Summer. Oh, you you uh, mustn't open it until tomorrow. Here, here, I'm a boy. Thanks a lot, Doctor. And uh, now, how's about tonight's story? Last week you told us you'd chosen an adventure with a lot of Christmassy atmosphere. Yes, Mr. Bartell. My story begins on another Christmas Eve many, many yes. years ago. To be exact, in 1886. The time the adventure occurred, I must confess I didn't quite understand what was going on myself. In fact, I never did uh, quite make head or tails of it until, until Holmes took pity on me later and explained the, the whole thing. But I shan't try to confuse you, Mr. Bartell. I'll tell you the story exactly as it happened. All right, Doctor. Let's go. On that Christmas Eve in 86, I was standing in our Baker Street rooms, dressed in the costume of uh, Santa Claus. Holmes, his long, thin fingers pressed together, lay back in an armchair and gazed at me quizzically, while our housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson, out the door and... Uh, Dr. Watson, you make a grand Santa Claus. <laughs> Doesn't he, Mrs. Hudson? <laughs> Try the beard on, Watson, old chap. I'm afraid this is going to be a little uncomfortable. Uh, uh, how, uh, how does it look? <laughs> oh, you look just like the old man on the Christmas cards, Doctor. <laughs> yes, Watson. It really becomes you. The cheery twinkle of the eyes, the ruddy complexion, and the, uh, the appropriate girth. What a shame we can't obtain some snow on a sleigh and reindeer for you. However, I'm... Sure, Mrs. Hudson's nieces will be very much impressed. Uh, well, that, sir. And it's very kind of you, Doctor, to offer to come over to their house with me. Oh, no. My father in the hospital and my sister at his bedside, it would have been a very miserable Christmas without oh, you. Oh, I shall enjoy myself, but I think I'll take this beard off before we get there. That's it. Are you ready to leave, Mrs. Hudson? I am, sir. Uh, will I get a cab? How far do we have to go? Oh, Lexington Gardens, number 28. It's just off the Edgeway Road, Doctor. Well, it's not far, but bearing in mind my costume, I suppose we'd better take a cab. Aye, sir. I'll get one. Holmes, what are you going to do with yourself? I hate leaving you alone on Christmas Eve. Oh, don't worry, old chap. I shall spend a profitable evening writing on my new monograph. Well, what's this one about? An analysis of teeth marks on pipe stems, with particular regard to indicated character. Oh, gracious me, how exciting. Well... I must be going. <laughs> Don't forget your sack of presents, old fellow. No, no, no. Uh, when you come to distribute them, you'll find that I get the liberty of adding a few trinkets on my own behalf. Oh, that's very thoughtful of you, Holmes. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Holmes, but there's a gentleman to see you. Says he's an old friend of yours. Here's his card, sir. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's Lord Whittacombe. Splendid. Ask him to come up, please, Mrs. Hudson. All right, sir. And I hope your party is a great success, Mrs. Hudson. Well, thank you, sir. Are you sure you don't want me to stay uh, now that you have a visitor? Oh, no, 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 no. Indeed, no, Mrs. Hudson. I can show the gentleman out myself. You go off and have a good time. Thank you, sir. Oh, I wonder what Lord William wants. Perhaps I should stay. No, no, you... please, my dear fellow. Certainly not. Well? Yeah, you have far more important work to do. Whittacombe probably wants his revenge at chess or something equally innocuous. Off with you, my dear fellow, and enjoy yourself. Oh, I'd better go. Just the same, I wish you were coming with me. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. I shall be there. 
Uh, come on up, Whittacombe. Hello, Holmes. Huh, evening, Watson. You make a very convincing Santa Claus. Are you leaving? I'm afraid so, Lord Whittacombe. Well, good night, then. Uh, good night, good night, sir. How are you, Holmes? All alone on Christmas Eve, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yes, Whittacombe, I'm glad you came over to see me. Mm-hmm. What's it to be, an evening of chess or... Have you unearthed some recent treasure of medieval pottery that we can discuss? Neither, Holmes. I've come to you in your professional capacity. I I need help. Oh, 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 come now, Whittacombe. Don't tell me that after all these years of quiet friendship, you're going to become a client? I'm afraid so, Holmes. Though I doubt if my problem will, problem will interest you very much. It's hardly up to your uh, uh, rather colorful standards. Uh, care for a cigar? Oh, thanks. Uh, now, my dear Whittacombe, What's your trouble? Well, I decided this year to have a little Christmas party at my townhouse. I'm quite comfortably off, as you know, and it occurred to me that I have several relatives and friends who are not as well off. I'm having a party for them tonight, Holmes, and I hope you'd attend it, disguised as uh, Santa Claus. Oh, my dear fellow, I've adopted many disguises in my time, but Father Christmas has never been one of them. Why do you want me to attend your party in disguise in any case? Are you ashamed of your friendship with a, a private detective, or um, do you consider my features more acceptable when buried beneath the depths of a snowy beard? Oh, my dear Holmes, do take me seriously. I'm not joking, I assure oh, you. Of course you're not, of course you're not. You, uh, you want me to attend your party in disguise. Why? I'm giving some very valuable presents, uh, diamond and onyx cufflinks, uh, mm-hmm. platinum and ruby earrings, and, and such like, and I've wrapped each of the presents in banknotes. Oh, dear me. Uh, where are these presents now? In a sack. In charge of my butler. I was going to dress up as Santa Claus and give them out myself. Until I got the warning letter. That's why I've come to you. Warning letter, eh? Yes. I received it by this evening's post. Listen to this. <clears throat> my dear Lord Whittacombe, your generosity with Christmas presents borders on ostentation. We do not approve. Neither we receive five thousand pounds in sovereigns at post-restaurant... Box 379 by 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, or I'm afraid your Christmas party will be conspicuous by its absence of presents. Let me see that note, Whittingham, will you? Yes, here you are. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Plain paper, torn from a penny notebook. The writing is obviously disguised. By George, yes. Whittingham, I accept the case. I'll come with you to your party at once, and furthermore, I shall follow your suggestion regarding a disguise. Dressed as Santa Claus, I shall be less likely to attract suspicion. I'm delighted, Holmes. But uh, what made you decide so suddenly? This writing, my dear fellow, this writing. Oh, it's uh, in a false hand. I know that characteristic M in my dear Whittacombe. I've seen it too often at the beginning of a signature. Moriarty. Moriarty? Who's he? Oh, one of the cleverest and most unscrupulous criminals in England. Whittacombe, there's no time to be lost. It's, let me see now. 6.30... Half an hour down the deadline given you in this letter. We must go to your house at once. This is as far as the cab can take us, Doctor. Oh, here you are, cabby. Here's five shillings for you and a Merry Christmas. Oh, bless you, gentlemen, and a Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> uh, you said you wanted to get into the house through the back way so that you could surprise the children. Yes, I thought well, I'd send to thought... come down the kitchen chimney. Oh, you can get to the back of the house by going up the alley here. I'll go in the front door. Splendid, splendid, Mrs. Hudson. Which is the house? Number 28. It's the third one down the alley, Doctor. I'll have the back window open in no time, and you can slip in without any of the bairns seeing. Very well. 
gloomy little street. I, I must say. Well, that was. Where's the music coming from? Oh, it's from that temple across the street, Doctor. The Disciples of the Octagonal Square, they call themselves. What on earth do you suppose that means? Oh, some newfangled cult. Heathens, most likely. Hello, hello, hello. I'm not the only Santa Claus abroad tonight. Look at that fellow across the street over there. Oh, dressed just like yourself, Doctor. And carrying a sack, too. Oh, he's running up the steps to the temple. Thanks, God. He, he slipped on the ice. Oh. What is how he was? Here, here, my man. Oh, oh, oh be careful now, sir. Doctor. Dinner trip for yourself. Here, you Give me a hand. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, silly of me, wasn't it? Oh, we Santa Claus have to help each other, you know. Up you come. That's it. Woo. Oh, oh, Doctor, I told you to be careful. Oh. Now you've fallen, too. Oh, it's this confounded red coat of mine. It, it tripped me up. Oh. Did you hurt yourself, sir? No, 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 no. I'm all right, I think. Uh, oh. How about you, sir? Well, uh, I'm all right, thanks. Oh. Silly of me to run, wasn't it? Uh, here's your sex, sir. Well, thank you. Good night and uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, good night, same to you, sir, said you. Oh, he went into the temple. Must be a disciple of the octagonal square. You're sure you're no hurt, Doctor? No, no, of course not, Mrs. Hudson. Give me my sack, please. Thank you. Your sister's house is the third one down this alleyway, you say? I'll hurry and open the back window. Yes, I'll be waiting for you, Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> this is rather fun. What a shame Holmes isn't with us. Oh, well, he's probably happier having a good game of chess with Lord Willicombe. This is my house, Holmes, number 39. 39 Branson Square, eh? And dear old Watson is just around the corner in Lexington Gardens and hasn't any idea that I've left Baker Street. Yes, uh, here you are, Caddy. Uh, thank you, sir. A uh, Merry Christmas, sir. Uh-huh. Listen to that. Carol singers. Yes, we'll probably have our fill of them before this evening's over. Good evening, my lord. Have the, have the guests arrived, Hargreave? Most of them, sir. They're in the library. You brought another Santa Claus with you, I see, my lord. Another Santa Claus? What do you mean? The gentleman arrived three quarters of an hour ago, sir, dressed as Santa Claus. I took him to your study, my lord, and showed him the sack of presents. Confound it! He's got here before us. Where's this study? This way. I hope I didn't do wrong, my lord. You told me that a gentleman dressed as Santa Claus would be coming here. Dear me, the gentleman appears to have gone. Yes, and the sack containing the presents with him. But he can't have left the house, my lord. I, I've been watching the front door. Yes, and while you were doing that, he slipped out through the window here. The catch is undone. Hargrave, describe this man. Well, I can't tell you much about his appearance, I'm afraid, sir. He was dressed as Santa Claus, just like yourself. But I did notice one thing about him, sir. Oh, what was that? He lisped, sir. It was quite pronounced. Of course. Lou the Lisper. Who on earth is Lou the Lisper? One of Moriarty's most trusted accomplices. Fortunately, though, I've had news of him lately through my underworld grapevine. You, uh, you know where he lives? He's reputed to have some uh, connections with a new cult that calls themselves the Disciples oh. of the Octagonal Square. Their headquarters are just around the corner from here. Let, let's go there at once. Of course, and Hargrave. Yes, sir. Get a message to Scotland Yard as fast as you can. Ask for Inspector Lestrade. And tell him to join me at the Temple of the Octagonal Square in Lexington Gardens as soon as possible. 
Oh, the children are awful excited, Doctor. I told them you just came down to me. I'll slip the beard on and then I'll go into them. There we are. Will I announce you, Doctor? Yes, yes, please, Miss Hudson. All right, sir. Quiet. Uh, Santa Claus has come to see you, and he's brought you all presents. Oh, hello, hello, children. Hello, Santa Claus. My name's Elsie. Did you bring me a present? Oh, I, I did, Elsie. I look in my sack in a minute, and uh, what's your name, young man? Herbert, they call me Bertie. Did you come down the chimney? Yes, Bertie. I bet you had a time doing it. You're so fat. Oh, don't be rude, Bertie. Santa Claus won't give you your present. And what's your name, little man? Maya, though. I've got a cold. Yes, I see you have. Uh, well, children, gather around me and I'll see what present I got for you. Uh, Let me see, Bertie. Uh, the uh, first present is for... Oh, can't be right. It says for Her Grace, the Dowager Duchess of Beulah. Oh, do you suppose Mr. Holmes has been playing a practical joke on you, Doctor? I suppose so. Well, I can't see the point myself. But he did say that he'd added a few trinkets of his own. I want my present. Then supposing you take this, Elsa. Oh, good, thank you. And this one is marked for the Reverend Arthur Carter. Okay. You at Holmes is up to. Uh, uh, here you are, Bertie. Cool, thanks. And this is for you, Arnold, because you've been a, a good little boy. It's a very big, is it? I wanted the dog. Oh, wanted the dog because we're... well, I'll bring you a dog next year, Arnold. Oh, Doctor Watson. Uh, yes, we have... Oh, look at the wrapping on these presents, Doctor. Whether twenty pound notes. It's cut. Oh, oh. look what I got. Now, let me see. Why, uh, cufflinks and diamond and onyx. Ones and less are very much mistaken. I got pretty earrings. Look how they sparkle. Let me see, I'll see. Oh, Good gracious, I swear that these what are diamond and rubies. What in thunder's going on? I want my earrings back. Give me back mine, too. Well, 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 well here, here you are, here Dr. you are. Dr. Watson, what do you suppose has happened? I don't know, Mrs. Hudson. Perhaps my toys are still at the bottom of the sack. I can't understand it. Oh. I wish Holmes were here instead of dozing in front of our fire in Baker Street. Where are you, Holmes? Here by the bed. This is the only room in the temple that gives any signs of being living. I think our bird has been here, but I'm afraid he's gone. If Inspector Lestrade will get here, strike a match, will you, Buddycombe? Right. Ah, here's a candle on the table. Oh, just as I feared. Look on the bed. A red coat and a beard. Yes, Lou the Lipper has discarded his disguise and gone. And with him, I'm afraid, your valuable... Oh, wait a minute. Here's a sack lying on the floor. Oh, no, this isn't mine. Look what's in it. A toy dog... Large box of chocolates. Little girl's doll. What is thunder? Well, this is Watson's sack. But how on earth could Lou the Lisper have got hold of it? Somewhere, somehow, he and Watson must have made an accidental change. And Lou the Lisper is no doubt trying to track Watson down at this very moment. He must work fast, Whittingham. Or my friend's life and those of Mrs. Hudson and our relatives won't be worth a tinker's damn. <laughs> Doctor, you can't break your story there. Oh, yes, I can, my boy. Before I go on, I thought we'd have a glass port just to <laughs> freshen us up. Oh, well, that's <laughs> that's something different. Of course. Instead of talking about port, as I sometimes do, it'll be nice drink some for change. There you are, my boy, and a, and a Merry Christmas to you. The same to you. And now, what happened next, Doctor? 
We left you at the children's Christmas party in Sherlock Holmes and Lord Whittaker around the corner at the Temple of the Octagonal Square. Yes, Mr. Bartell, although at the time, of course, I had no idea what was going on. There I was, cheerfully handing out gifts worth well, if not a king's, at least a baronet's ransom. While outside the Temple of the Octagonal Square, Holmes and Lord Whittaker were talking to Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. Yeah, seems to me, Lord Whittacombe, you'd have been wiser to get in touch with Scotland Yard when you first got the warning note. We could have nabbed him when he came to your house and pinched the sack of presents. Mr. this is no time for post-mortems. We've got to reach Lou the Lisper before he finds Dr. Watson. Suppose he can do that, Holmes? It wouldn't be difficult. Lou the Lisper is nearly as clever as his master, Professor Moriarty. The chances are that you were followed when you came to Baker Street tonight, Whittacombe. And it's really likely that Watson and Mrs. Hudson were followed as they left it. Mariotti seldom leaves anything to chance. Well, where did Dr. Watson go tonight? In Lexington Gardens. It's just around the corner from here. Well, then let's go there at once. Fight not quarry away. No, 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 Lestrade. We must use a little subtlety. Now, Lou the Lisper wishes to recover that sack of presents from Watson. How would he invade the party with the least possible trouble? By, uh, by dressing up as Santa Claus again? No, no, I think he's overplayed that role for one evening. Well, then how would he try to get in, Mr. Holmes? Oh, come now, Lestrade. What group of people can enter any house on Christmas Eve without invitation and without creating suspicion? Exactly, my dear fellow. I shouldn't be at all surprised if at this very moment Lou the Lisper and some of his gang are singing carols outside 28 Lexington Gardens. Well, then what are we going to do? Form a rival choral society. How many of your men did you bring with you? Three. A sergeant and two constables. Wearing greatcoats? <laughs> yes, Mr. Holmes. But why? They can hide their helmets and pretend to be singers. Come on. Let's go over there, and while we're walking, we'll rehearse our carols. We must appear reasonably convincing. Sanjuray, Lestrade, Sanjuray. Off you get, children. There we go. That's it. Now, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, and Merry Christmas. Would you like to sing some carols for the children? After that, I'm sure you'd like a drop of <laughs> something to warm you up. Well, thank you, sir. We should like that. Uh, haven't I uh, met you before somewhere, my man? Uh, no, sir. I'm sure you haven't. Uh, come on, man. Let's sing Good King Wentzelet. Good King Wenceslas looked out on a feast of Stephen. Well, here we are outside the house, Mr. Holmes. Now watch. Shh, listen. Uh-huh. Lou the Lisper and his men are already there. Are we going in? In a moment. Now, men, you will have your truncheons handy. Yes, Mr. Holmes, we're ready. Splendid. Now, remember, when we're inside and I yell, Merry Christmas, at the top of my voice, you bring out your truncheons and get Lou the Lisper and his gang out of there as quickly as possible. Don't arrest them until you get them outside again, Lestrade. I don't want to frighten the children. Right, you are, Mr. Holmes. We're ready. Just give us the word and we'll go in and come. (laughs) 
was a very nice thing. And now, how about something to warm you all up? That won't be necessary, Dr. Watson. See to the door, Sammy. Now, all of you, stay right where you are. Who are you? What do you think you're up to? Please don't be difficult, Doctor. All I want is the jewels out of my sack that you stole from me tonight. If you try and stop me, I shall have to hurt you. <laughs> Why do you talk so funny? You got a cold like me? Shut up. Now, Doctor, where are the jewels? Oh, curse it. There are some more carol singers outside. Why don't you let me go away, Lou? No, better let them come in. If we don't, they might get suspicious. All right, Lou. I should know what you're up to. Now, no tricks, Doctor. If you try and give an alarm, I shall have to get rough with you. Oh, I don't mind about that, but just remember that there are children present. Oh, there are many. Come on here before you, eh? Uh, what you say? We all join that old carol for the nippers, eh? Uh, well, uh, all right. Uh, what What do you want to sing? Uh, better. Oh, you little angel sing, eh? Uh, all right, all right. Uh, come on, men. Let's sing. I'll explain it to you later, Jack. Lestrade. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Uh, take them to Scotland Yard and prefer charges. I'll be over in a little while and give evidence. Right, you are, sir. <laughs> too bad we didn't catch Professor Moriarty, too. Well, at least we have some of his cohorts. I'll see you later, Lestrade. I wish I knew what was going on here. Is Moriarty mixed up in this business? Yes, Watson. I'll tell you all about it as soon as I've straightened this thing out. Now, Whittacombe. Yes, Holmes. The 20-pound notes that you used as wrapping for your gifts seem to have been scattered all over the house. Uh, do you want me to recover them, too? No. From what you've told me of the children, I think their parents could use the money much more profitably oh. than my relatives. In any case, I can replace it. A very generous Christmas gift. Well, children, did you enjoy the, uh, little game we staged for you? It was enough fun. Yes. <laughs> I nearly died laughing when they started hitting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, children. And now I, uh... I want you to show me the presents you received. I got these pretty earrings. Oh, they were a part of the game, too. A nice little girl like you doesn't want any earrings, Elsie. Here's a beautiful doll for you. Cool. Her eyes open and check and everything. And what did you get, my little man? These. Oh, cufflinks. Good gracious. Who wants cufflinks when he can have a, a clockwork train? You want to exchange? Brain Lord love a duck, yes. I wanted the dog. There's one for you, Lionel. A nice, nice woolly dog. Oh, good. And here's a nice... Here you are, Charlie. Here's a nice big box of chocolates, too. You can all share them. Oh, <laughs> love me. What a night. Ain't had as much fun since Granny got her finger stuck in a plug-o. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I still don't understand what's going on, Holmes, but I, I must say this has all the earmarks of... It's been a happy Christmas. Yes, oh, hello. Mrs. Hudson. Hi, Mr. Holmes. Uh, how's, the, um, how's the turkey coming along? Oh, it'll be ready in a few minutes, Mr. Holmes. Splendid. And, and while we're waiting, perhaps the children will oblige with something we haven't heard so much. Yes. I know what you mean. A Christmas carol that really sounds convincing. How about it, children? All right, sir. Come on, Elsie. Come on, Lionel. Silent night. Holy
Well, Doctor, that was really a, twelfth to a swell story. On a Christmas Eve like this, do you ever wish you were back in Baker Street celebrating Christmas there? At times, yes, but actually, Mr. Bartell, I'm, I'm very happy right here in my little home. There on the table is a beautiful little Christmas tree. There's a fine fire in my fireplace. My two dogs, Monty and Willie, are, are sleeping peacefully at my feet. And best of it all, I've got the love of every child in the, in the neighborhood. Yes, I got a great deal this Christmas Eve. Lots to be thankful for. And what with the troubles of the world on their way to being settled, it looks as if this is the brightest Christmas that, that I've ever had. Well, that's how I feel about it, too, Doctor. I hope that all our friends listening in are just as happy this Christmas Eve as we are. And speaking not only for myself, but I know for all of us and for the Petri family, too, we wish every one of you a happy Christmas from the bottom of our hearts. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Well, Dr. Watson, next Monday is New Year's Eve. What story do you plan to tell us? One that I think you will find extremely appropriate, Mr. Bartell. It takes place in a Scottish castle near Edinburgh on a New Year's Eve in 1900 and concerns a pair of lovers, an elderly baronet, and uh, a strange iron box that proved to be more than worth its weight in gold. <laughs> Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Harry Bartell saying good night for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mysteries, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I am here with the usual suspects. Welcome back to 221B, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. Thank you. I've been drinking Petri wine all night. I'm ready to go. <laughs> he is in the bag. Welcome back, DJ Christatos, Pat Sampson. Ho, 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 Jared, it's me, DJ. Christatos Kringle. Oh, and I lost my bag. I had some special stuff that I put in the bag uh -oh, and was hoping uh -oh. to pass. Well, but dude, somebody wrapped these presents with hundred dollar bills. What? What? <laughs> I found a bag that had all kinds of illicit material in it, but strangely enough, no, no heroin. Nope. No, no, not for the kids. That's not for the kids. <laughs> and to round it out, to make it the perfect foursome, I have with me. Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. I have you guys know in jujitsu tonight, we formed a group. We were practicing a, a jujitsu move called the Triangle. And so it was uh, the group of the Triangle Circle. Ah, <laughs> very, very good. Octagonal square, Triangle Circle. I see what you're doing there. Very, cl it's very clever. Geometry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we know who the players are, let's just jump right into the highs and lows. We will start with Jason. Welcome. Let's talk highs and lows around this Christmassy episode. 
I guess it would kind of be a low. I was told about how kids today are just spoiled and not polite and brought up the same way as kids back in the day. Well, those kids back in the day were some spoiled brats, man. (laughs) They were. Calling poor Watson too fat to go down the chimney, complaining about the presents that they got or didn't get. And Jared, I don't think they were English. They had some surprisingly American accents. (laughs) So something's up with those kids. Did not like it. They needed a truncheon upside their buttocks. You hear that word, Jared? Truncheon. Truncheon. It's a word. I don't believe that. All right, let's move on to DJ Cristato's round one. High, low, what the? I'm going to give this a low as well, too. It, it, surprise, surprise. Bah humbug. But Christmas no. for everyone. Yeah, but I guess it's not. I don't want to say it's a really bad low. It's just from what we've listened to on other ones this one was kind of so so on this one as far as a, a detective story it was one that i could follow along and kind of figured out what was going to happen it's predictable i guess is the best uh-huh. way to say it but in, in being a christmas one that's where i'm torn you know because it's like oh it's a you know it's a nicely kind of a christmas story so they didn't want to make it too you know just like Holmes said we don't want to scare the kids so let's take them outside and beat them outside but so <laughs> I can't really say it's a low, but it's, I don't want to put it in a what the either because. No, I track you. It definitely reminds me of when we were doing the 1954 Sherlock Holmes TV series on Saturday matinee mm-hmm. theater, which, Hey, if you listeners are just tuning in for this, go check out those old episodes. If you like Sherlock Holmes, it reminds me of one of those episodes where there wasn't much of a mystery. It was more of a madcap adventure. Sure. And I think, I think you're right. Pat. I think they were like, let's do something fun for Christmas. Here you go. But you know what? It's Delvin's turn to talk. I'm going to say a low. But it's going to be kind of an unexpected. Oh, maybe unexpected low. I don't know. We'll see. What reminded me of this, I, I when I was listening to it, and then, you know, Sherlock Holmes was like looking at the letter from his buddy, and he's like, oh, oh, nope, I'm in. It's Moriarty. It's freaking Moriarty. I am on it. I am on it. There was no Moriarty. and and what it reminded me of is out of all the radio out of the 39 episodes of sherlock holmes we ain't seen no moriarty man i am so disappointed by that i'm like moriarty is like the dude for sherlock holmes he is his match and we have not seen any moriarty yet and so i'm a little bit disappointed by that i would wonder why they have not introduced such a seminal character to the Sherlock Holmes canon into the TV or the uh, radio series that we have listened to or watched so far. Excellent point, my friend. I was all keyed up for a Moriarty when I first heard this one, and I was like, Lou the Lisp. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Lou the Lisp. (laughs) But you know what? That did make me think of something. (laughs) That did make me think of something that we talked about on episode one of this radio show, we had Alan Porter on and Alan gave a low to the, what he called sort of overly done accents from the, there was a German couple, there was some French people and he's like, Oh, they were just kind of like overdone. And it was a product of its time. But as I listened to Lou, the lisp on this one, I realized this is radio. You have to overdo (laughs) 
Yeah. The different voices. Everyone has to have a very unique voice. Agree um, totally. So yeah, at first I was like, this Lou the Lisp voice is kind of silly, but then I realized you kind of have to to differentiate. I'm not saying Alan's wrong or anything like that. His his point is well taken and and, and that's fine. But I just thought, yeah, you know what? You do kind of have to go over the top for radio. Huh? You're about to say something. What was Lou the the Lisp? Was that the Petri wine guy? Kind of you know, like I wonder because he played with that voice a little bit. Yeah, I later on, wondering that too. Yeah, he did like a joke verbal slip in Lou the Lisp voice, and I was like, I wonder if the Petri wine guy. Was yeah, I wonder if he was you know doing double duty, which is fine. I'm just like, man, that that voice sounds familiar. Hmm. Hmm. All right, now that we've sorted out the fact that all these children in this episode were rotten little turds, Jason, what do you got for round two? Before we start getting the hate mail. I do not advocate actually beating children, so, so I'll just go ahead and throw that out there with the truncheon or otherwise. Actually, I'll go with the high on this one, and I mean, I guess it's a bit of a walk, but I've been reading a book on World War II, a history book, surprise, surprise, and one of the things that really kind of touched me about this was the fact, just listening to it and knowing that this was being recorded for service members who were serving away from home, away from Christmas. This story reached out to so many of them and brought Sherlock Holmes to the front lines or on the warships or wherever they happened to be. I mean, it wasn't the best story in the world. Like Jared said, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a madcap, but it was a madcap time for these folks too. So just listening to it, and putting it into that context and also remember myself being away for many Christmases during my time in the service, how this must've meant to somebody, even though it wasn't the best Sherlock Holmes, it still was really pleasant to listen to and put into that context. I'll end it there. I agree. I could definitely envision, you know, a couple of servicemen hunkered down in a tent somewhere around a radio that, it, you know, the, the vacuum tubes got warmed up so they could listen to it. Just a little piece of Christmas from the States. That's a good observation. You know, we always kind of talk about the nostalgia of these episodes. And, you know, they must have been particularly excited because this would have been December of 1945. So the armistice was signed, what, a month ago? People are talking about coming home and all yeah. that stuff. So it's a good time right there. Yep, um, yep. Probably a little more optimism than the last year's Christmas episode. <laughs> well, they even make mention of it in the story where they're like, yeah, this is one of the best Christmases we've had in a long, long time. And, mm-hmm. and so, these, yeah, these timestamps of these are just half the fun. Pat, back to you. Well, I'm going to continue on with a high being that this is a Christmas episode. The music. Yeah, the you know, so they mixed in. it up they a little bit. Mix it a little bit with some little, you know, Christmas holidays and the songs that they were singing. I, I really liked, and you know, this time again, you know, they they went to the old King Wenzelin. You know, that's an oldie song, but still, people know it, and mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. from its its era and time. But I really liked the music in here. I think it helped bring that ambiance around and. As Jason had mentioned too, the, the sentimental value of it all. I'm a sucker for Christmas shows. You know, I watch the Hallmark Channel during Christmas time. It's on a lot, so I like those. You know, good feeling Christmas episodes that happen. And even as a kid, you know, I like watching these Scooby Doo ones where it's you know something happens, but it's all for good and fun. So 
it pulled up my heartstrings. Definitely. And I think the music was used for comedic value as well. When the burglars were like trying to be Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> I see Delvin nod. Go, you can run with that Delvin or give me your, you know, your final thoughts. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was cute and campy too. And I want to be clear on something. It's okay for things to be campy. I mean, everything ain't oh, yeah. got to, everything ain't got to be all serious all the time and everything. And so it's perfectly okay. I was, I was fine with the merry mix up with the bags. I as soon as I like the collision happened and it went, I was like, I I know what's happening here. <laughs> I know, and I also liked the end too. I thought it was just really sweet of of Holmes and how he finagled the expensive gifts away from the kids and gave them the toys that they actually really wanted. And then uh, there was also a bit about the parents. You know, the guy was like, I don't need the money. The parents look like they probably could use the money more than I could. And that was, I don't know, especially in like a lot of cutthroat stuff that goes on in the world nowadays, that was very heartwarming as well. So I liked a little bit of camp. You're right. It was funny that the robbers had to (laughs) to double as carolers to try and come back in to get the uh, misplaced merchandise and then and the ending too. Yeah, it was it was it was all just it, it was all you've got to at least listen to it and smile. I mean, unless you know, I don't know, unless you got a heart of coal, right? You know, unless you're a ball humbug type of guy, you, you got to find something to smile about on this cereal. I liked it. I love that kid too that was all excited when they started beating the hell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "This is the best Christmas ever." <laughs> And Holmes tried to play it all. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a little entertainment we played. <laughs> now they're going to jail. <laughs> anyway, I promised this, I think, last episode or maybe two episodes ago. And I finally have Jason here, who of the four of us is probably the most Conan Doyle scholar. I've read them all, but Jason tends to remember them better. I promised you this would happen. Did you notice they said this story was suggested by yeah. events in the Blue Carbuncle? I'm like, I think the fact that it is Christmas time is the only event <laughs> suggested by the book. Yes. Carbuncle. Yeah. And there was a mix up. There was a mix up with a goose and blue carbuncle. And a yeah. Bat. Yeah. A thief had stolen the blue carbuncle, was trying to smuggle it with a goose. I guess that was a similarity that two people kind of ships that pass the night knocked into one another. The one goose got exchanged for the other. Holmes got called into the case. Was interesting though, because in that one, Holmes basically let the villain go because it was Christmas. Yeah, it's one of my very favorites. In fact, Pat was talking about how he likes to watch Christmas specials. I have, I'm nerdy enough to have in my notes on my phone a list of my favorite things to watch at Christmas time. So when I have a quiet moment, I pulled up and the Jeremy Brett and Peter Cushing Blue Carbuncle episodes are on my list of things to watch during December because they're great. But yeah, I, I told you guys at the end of all these, they start getting really thin with, oh, this was suggested by an idea in, okay, so it's Christmas time, I got it. But still, like we said, it was fun, it was heartwarming. And with that, I think it is time to give our pipe ratings. Most folks know how it works, but I'll give you a quick reminder. We rate these on a scale of one to five pipes. Five pipes means you loved it, it solved your mystery. Four pipes means you thought it was very good, and three pipes, uh, it was good, and Two pipes, it was not good. And one pipe, I hated it. It threw me off Reichenbach Falls. And we'll go around the horn one last time. Jason. I'll give it a three. Not much of a mystery, as Pat indicated, but it still was a fun little adventure. And good for the holidays. Good for a few laughs. 
I'm going to give it a three as well. I did enjoy it. The mystery wasn't there. But what happened was, once it got done playing, it's replayed again. And I was like, you know, I didn't turn it off. I started listening to it again. So <laughs> it, it kind of means something. Yeah, I listened to it twice as well. And I know Delvin did as well. Delvin, how many pipes are you going to give this one? I'm with the lads. It's a three. It's a uh, very uh, pleasant three. Three for each hoe that Santa Claus would say during Christmas. <laughs> I'll join you on that three. So we're threes all around on this. Our release plan on this episode is to release it during December. So if you're listening to it at that time, then I hope you guys are having a very wonderful holiday season. This played nicely into it. Uh, if you're not listening to it in December, then we it means we had to play it in November to fill a time slot or something. And we'll hope you have a great next month. happy holidays happy holidays everybody now i hope you guys have a good one and i appreciate you guys joining me for this one and that is it for this episode of lbc regulars the sherlock holmes podcast radio version i want to thank my guests jason pat and delvin where can i find you guys on the internet jason you can find me at weasel skull on twitter or jason albrick on facebook and instagram pat well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Jared, my friend. And of course, you can find me at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And remember, you can leave us a voicemail with your thoughts. Become part of the show. Call us at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-L-BOX. Hi, guys. This is Auburn Elvis. Um, I just listened to the Sherlock Holmes radio show program, and, uh, boy, I really liked this. Um, it was a nice episode. I really liked your guys' critique, but what I really appreciated was how it reminded me of, uh, I have this series of Bing Crosby craft radio shows from that time period, when they're raising war bonds for the effort and all that. And it's just, yeah, it's a really interesting part of of entertainment history to listen to those old radio programs. So I'm really glad you're going through uh, and doing these. That's a, it's a great uh, idea and I'm glad you're doing it. Or comment on the show at Long Box Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or email us directly at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Your comments might be read or played on the show. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, we could not do this show and all the other shows on the Longbox Crusade Network without the support of our Crusaders Club members over on Patreon. And you can join their ranks for as little as $1 a month at www.patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. And we'll now thank our Crusaders Club members as we ride off in our handsome cab. I've been your host, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode. And Helica Wolf. Oh, Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon himself. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Kane. Jeremy L. Jim Jamin, Jim Jamin, Jim Jamin, Jim Jamin. Who would you like to jump into? Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright, MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. 
Sean Urbanski, Spidey67, Spreadsheets, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Tony Pennington, and Toronto Cup. This episode features the copyright-free music, Shattered Glass by C.J. Beards.